But I want you to follow along with me this morning as we read together 2 Peter verses 1 through 8 to begin with. And then we're going to look at it all over again. Beginning with verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Y'all are reading, right? Because I'm not going to be an auctioneer today where they can't follow me and you can't follow them. So I'm going I'm to bring it down to Jed Clampett speed. How about that? To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4, by which exceedingly great and that through these you may be partakers of the having escaped the corruption that is in but also for this very reason giving all add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge Self-control to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For you will neither in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give God a hand for this book right here. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you can be seated. I want everybody to look up here right now, look at me, and listen to what I'm about to say right now. I do not want to preach a good sermon today and this year, every Sunday, I mean, it's, it's good when it's good. But, but if I'm preaching the word, and I said this not long ago, even if I'm a dry hide, and I'm just monotone, and I don't like monotone preaching, by the way. I tune people out a lot of times uh, unless they, the anointing's on. But I don't want to preach just a good message today. I said, Lord, I don't want to preach a good message today. And that be it. But, but what I've really prayed, and I'm fasting, and I have fasted over, and will continue to do so, is that before you leave this building today, you will not only know what we've looked at together, what I've preached. Now, everybody's not listening right now because I see you not looking at me. And that's a great indication. There's no way you are taking in what I'm saying. I'm getting bold because I'm running out of time, y'all. And I'm just before coming off the pulpit one of these Sundays and walking to where I see the trouble spot. Did I get everybody's attention that time? 
You know, I had to do it about a week ago because people were worried about people taking care of their needs. Don't do that. This is God's time. I'm the farmer with the seed. You are the soil. Does everybody get that picture? Hey, nobody's important right now but God, not even me. This book, if you are distracted, I don't care if your stomach's growling. All of our stomachs are growling right now. Okay? When you watch your grandson eat a Biscuitville sausage biscuit, your stomach growls even louder. So listen, I want today you to know what I've preached, not me, my opinion, but what I've preached, and even more than what I've preached, I want you to know how to flesh it out, how to live it out. When you, I, I don't want there to be any, well, I wonder what chapter he came from today. Because I'm going to tell you before I start here, that the Word of God is the only thing you have going for you right now. You don't have a vaccine going for you. You don't have an economy going for you. You don't have a good bill of health going for you. You don't have a secure job going for you. You don't have a stationary church. that You don't have the hope that it won't be blown away or shut down one day. You don't have anything going for you but the Word of God, friend. Nothing. You don't even have the promise that your spouse won't turn away and walk from you or give you the attention or time or your children or your employer that you think that's all that and you got to be loyal to. Nobody here, including me, we have anything going for us but what God has already said because God has already said about everything that you're going through and seeing right now. So, I want everybody in here to know what is, what is being said today? Because what is being said will catapult you into next week and help you get through where you've got to go through until you get to where you're going to. So, I want to start back at verse... Well, I'm going to start with verse 1. And then I want to point out a few things to you. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, the man that's relaying this right here is the same man that told Jesus he wouldn't wash his feet, that told Jesus, I'll never forsake you, but lied about even knowing Jesus. Later on, you know the story. And then Jesus said, not only will you deny me, you'll do it three times. And he did that. And the rooster crowed before he got to the third time. And... He did that. He ran. Ran scared. That's why I'm telling you, man, we've got to break this, this fear cycle. If nobody else is set free from it, the people of God have got to be out of this bondage right here. It's worse than any depression, any drug, any other kind. It's worse than mental illness. It's worse than physical illness. It's worse than anything fear is because that, according to the Bible, comes straight from the devil. So we've got to do something about that, church. And the only person that can do something about that is God and his word. So Peter is the one that God is using. I'm making a point here to tell you that Peter's the one that God is using to relay this information. He's, a bond, he's now called a bondservant. He's locked. Wrist, foot, chain. He's locked to the Lord. He's a bondservant to the Lord. To those who have obtained like precious faith 
with us. He's talking about himself and all of the disciples and, and, and the apostles by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Now, this is where you've got to really focus. Grace and peace, verse 2, be multiplied to you in knowledge. Do you know that within five verses, I'm sorry, within seven verses, do you know that the word knowledge, again, focus, folks, focus. I'm telling you, I, I, I mean, I'm on a mission here. If you're offended by my fierceness, then you might want to leave. I'm not going to be mean or ugly, but I'm fighting for people's souls and people's sanity right now. I can't play around with you wondering right now. Does everybody hear me for the second time this week? Okay, I'm not mad. I'm very passionate, but I'm, I'm listen, I'm the man that cries when I go home. I'm the man that cries before I get here because sometimes I don't want to do this. And it's hard and it's tough. So I'm fighting for you. You would not push a life raft away from me if we were down here, out here, capsized at Myrtle Beach somewhere. You, would, you wouldn't be focusing on your husband or your wife or anything else. You would be reaching and grabbing whatever I was throwing to you. You can't amen that. That's what I'm throwing to you right now because the devil is a serious dude here. He knows better than any of you and me and anybody on the earth how close we are to the Lord coming back because he's desperate to do all that he can do to set it all up before the Antichrist steps onto the scene. You can't fool around with coming to church. If you're going to come to church, if you're going to go to Wednesday night, it's got to count, man. You can't do stuff anymore to ease your conscience. You don't have the time that you think you have. And I'm telling you that because I love you today. So four times, really five times in seven, and every time I stop, it gets me wound up and I lose my train of thought and you waste time and you're going to put off going home to eat more beans and fruit. So stay with me and I want to stop. You can get there quicker to get it. And I can too. But he says grace and peace be multiplied to you in knowledge. And then he goes on and mentions that four other times. So knowledge tells me that this is something that got here. We go again. Look up here. Look up here. I'm going to do it every time. I mean, I'll do it. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. So that tells me. Although it's good, it's not in my tithing, it's not in my praying, it's not in my playing or singing or operating equipment or coming to church, it's not in anything. Grace and peace be multiplied in the knowledge. So that tells me, just as a redneck, son of a shoemaker, that what I need to be doing, I need to be focusing on knowledge some kind of way here because it's the thing that keeps coming up in just a few short scriptures here. So I need to lean in and dig in and see what this is all about. And I thank God that God is a God that multiplies, you see. He says, grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and Savior. Our God and Lord and Savior. So if I'm spending more of my time 
in the knowledge of God, not just that, well, I know God and I know how to lead people to Jesus. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, know that you know more about me. You know me in a more intimate way. You, you study the word. You know all the things you can possibly know about me. He says, when you get to that level where you don't want to know about doctrine, you don't know about, want to know about uh, religion, you want to know me. You want to know more about me. You study to see how I spoke the world into existence. You look at me and see how I called 12 disciples who were nobodies. You look at me and see how I desire for people not to want the mammon of the earth. You study me. You know me. You lean in. You learn about me. He says, that's the kind of knowledge. And when you do that, he says, everybody in here cannot afford to be without grace and peace. And I'm glad to know that the more I know about my God, the more he's willing to multiply grace in my life. You know what that is? That's unmerited favor. That means I don't deserve a Savior to leave heaven and die on a cross for me, but I certainly don't even, uh, even in excess to that. I don't deserve him and that kind of grace to pay attention to me, to call me to preach, to use me, to provide for me, to bless me again with a church and with a family. I don't deserve for God to even acknowledge me, but that's what grace is called, church, and that's what it looks like and I don't deserve for God to give me peace in the middle of a messed up world but he said not only will I give it to you Opie if you will look into my word I will multiply it for you boy so he tells me about knowledge and then verse 3 he says as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life he said all things here that pertain to life and godliness so he gives me life all things, and he gives me godliness. But guess what the vehicle is? It's through knowledge. So there you go. He says, but it's not just any kind of knowledge. He said, it's the knowledge, one more time, through him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4 goes on to say, by which we have been given to us, he was saying, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, meaning the precious promises, you may, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So let's stop real quick here. So just through knowledge, having a hunger and a desire for the Word of God, on a regular basis. I mean, it's not just, let's do a quick test here. You know, pretty much, it's my little devotion in the morning, and I'll read a chapter or a scripture, and that kind of gives me a good feeling. But then I go on, a, but I don't dig down in, I don't listen, I don't, I told you I have the dwell out, I don't listen to that, I listen to stuff, or when I get home. And what I mean, I compare this, how much time, again, folks, how much time in the Word of God do you spend knowing God, knowing what God wants, what God desires, what God's standard is, what God's heart is? How much time do you, and I'm talking to teenagers, I'm talking to children, I'm talking to people that's been saved for 50 years, and you think it's time to Cadillac. I'm talking to, not me, but the Spirit of God is, listen, 
How much time do you spend in God's Word to know Him more compared to your phone? Compared to your TV? I've told you, in, the, in two years, I tried to think this morning. I promise you, I promise you, and God help me, I'm not deliberately trying to be uh, deceptive, but I don't think that I've, I've watched over 15 minutes of the news. Well, I, how do you know what's going on? Okay, I'm going I'm to try to say this humbly, but it's going to sound like I'm bragging. I read this book right here, and I can tell you more about what's gone on in the past two years than you will ever hear because it won't be allowed on the news. I know because I've been in this book right here and I've been on money and God says, look, if you will seek me, you will find me. I hadn't been looking for a vaccine in all this trash. I hadn't been looking in a check in all this mess. I hadn't been looking in good health or bad health. I've been looking into God because God's the one that I'm trying to find. I don't want all these other answers. I want this answer right here because when all that's gone and it's going to be gone, he he said, heaven and word, earth will pass away, but my word's not going nowhere. That's what I want to know. So I've been seeking God, and he's kept me pretty up to date on every newscast I needed to know about. That ain't good enough for y'all, and I can feel it. It's coming back at me because we are all brainwashed to a certain degree, and it's not by God. You're brainwashed. It's a fixation. Don't ever say anything about anybody on crack or heroin. You cannot not watch the news. You cannot not keep on social media to see what's going on. You can't do it. I promise you, you cannot do it. You won't do it. You won't take and swap that time out for this book. Nobody, people watching, you will not do it. You are addicted, and you don't know you are addicted. But God has sent me here today to tell you, if you're going to get addicted and you're planning on going on the first load, you better change the channel and you better change it today. I knew it. I knew it, Lord, but I'm doing what you said to do. So knowledge, I'm promised. This right here. Just by sticking my nose in this book right here. I'm, I am promised by this Bible that God will multiply grace and peace. I need a lot of that, folks. I need a lot of grace to preach right now if you want to know the truth. I need God to help me. But I need God to multiply the peace in my life. It gets harder and harder every day. If I wasn't called to preach, I'd stop preaching. No, if I wasn't called to preach, I'd stop pastoring. Evangelists have it made. You hear me? They go and preach and move on. It's just pastoring is getting harder and harder. It, it, it really is, and I, I need the grace of God multiplied in my life, but I need the peace of God multiplied. But he said not only would he multiply that, but he also told me that, that he would give me all things through his divine power that pertain to this life, and he would give me godliness through the knowledge. So here I am serving a God who only, only wants to help me and multiply things in my life. There's nothing that I just read to you that anything else that you need more than that right here. You need the grace of God. You need the peace of God. You need the godliness of God. And you need all things that pertain to life that's only given by God because every good and perfect gift 
comes from above. I will be through as soon as I get to the bottom. I will. The Bible says, out of the mouth of Jesus, he says, you shall know the truth. Not the church attendance, not what somebody else has said. And I know I'm offending people. I know, I'm, I, and I'm going to get feedback. I'm going to get that, but I don't care. I am on my way to heaven. You hear me? You may not get a chance to tell somebody how offended you are and it get back to me before I go home. I don't care. I'm trying to finish strong. Did y'all know that? All I care, I want to be a good pastor, but I really more than a good pastor, I just want to finish strong. That's all I want to do. I'm, I'm gunning for well done. I'm gunning for well done. I want to hear well done. And I'm not placing a stake order, by the way. I want to hear him say, well done. Jesus said, no. He said, you shall know the truth. Know is knowledge. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's going back and referencing the early uh, fear statement I made. If you know the truth, it will make you free, Jesus said in John 8, 32. And you won't live under bondage. You won't live feeling like you got to hear what everybody else is saying. And I'm telling you, on Facebook right now, we probably got CDC disclaimers and all that kind of mess going on. I'm so, I'm so over all this stuff. Analytics, algorithms, I'm so over all that. I don't care if nothing works for the rest of time. I know we got people streaming, and I want people to get it because these people can't get here. But I'm telling you, man, I'm so over technology, and I'm a technology guy. I don't care. I know everybody's in bed together, and nobody believes that. Okay. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus said, not only shall you know the truth, he said, here, take my yoke upon you, and here's the word he used, learn, learn of me. Learn of me. I want you to get into the Bible, and I want you to learn of me. I just don't know, want you to know about me. I want you to learn of me. I want you to increase in knowledge is what that word learn means if you look it up in the Greek. I want you to increase. I want you to learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in my heart. He said, if you do this, Goes back to grace and peace. He said, you'll find rest. So again, you can play dodgeball with the Bible and say, I don't have time. You don't, you don't realize my schedule. You don't realize my demands and all this. I'm telling you right now, you better realize or you won't have a schedule. Amen? You won't have a schedule. You'll either be dead or you, you will be incapacitated. So the Bible tells us that if we know the truth, it sets us free. If we learn of him, we get peace. And David said, of all the things he could have said, he said, it is actually your word, Lord, not my, again, my church attendance or my job or my giving or anything else or my seniority as a Christian. He said, but it's your word, Lord, that I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word, your word. Again, it's the word of God, folks. 
And you know why I'm having to preach this like this today? Because it's right there with prayer. It's the hardest thing for you to discipline yourself to do. Distraction-free, scheduled, intentional, no compromise. It's the hardest thing for you to do. And you don't have to amen that. I wasn't looking for an amen or an old me. That's just the truth. And that's a fact. Jack or whatever your name is. But verse 5 brings up something that helps us to begin to realize how we can do this, church. And I told you today, I want you to be able to not just hear this, but I want you to know this, because if you know this, you can do this. Verse 5 says, but well, let me go back to verse 4. Kenna, forgive me. I'm sorry. Verse 4, I need to point something out. This is why so many people, Christians, struggle. I, I looked at my Bible and saw that word down there, corruption. Verse 4 actually says, again, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's not talking about dying and going to heaven, folks. What that scripture is talking about, that talks about when you do say, God, yes, I'm going to study to show myself approved. I am going to dig into this book right here. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to listen to it while I'm driving to work, while I'm riding around. It's what's going to stream on my TV when I'm just doing meaningless tasks. I'm going to do this right, or I'm doing housework or whatever. I'm going to do your word right here. He says, when you do this, he says, then you are able to be a partaker of the divine nature. That means you not only know about Jesus, you don't just know about God, but you actually become like God. And, 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 and that's where that godliness is. And you've taken on the divine nature. You hate what God hates, but you like what, God's, you like what God likes. And you have escaped the corruption that's through the lust of this world. So here's the bottom line on that passage. If you are still struggling with things or a thing in your life, you keep going back to it. You can't be faithful in giving. You can't be faithful in praying. You're certainly not faithful in hiding the word in your heart. You just can't be dependent on or making a solid commitment to church or a local fellowship, wherever you might be. But you can be Johnny on the spot to anything that's not God-related, meaning inside the church. You can be prompt. You can be dependable. You'll take money out of your pocket to make sure it happens. You won't tell your friend no on this or your employer no. You, you will do it all. That's called the corruption that this world has that we are drawn away because we lust for that. And God says when you are in that place, you don't have the divine nature because that, that's not godliness. Godliness and the lust of this world that's, are not the same thing. And anybody knows that. So, that right there is an indicator in my life. If we were doing an at-home test, well, you know, if I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with myself, yep, that really is a non-negotiable in my life. That really is... But 
but you see, I, I got to do this. This has to, you know, all those excuses that I care nothing about. It's the word, the only thing going to get you home. So, I'm an advocate of the word. So when you find yourself drifting and drafting and going back to, then don't worry about the divine nature because it ain't there. Don't worry about the multiplication. But for this very reason, Peter said in verse 5, giving all diligence. And that word, by the way, means haste or with haste. means don't be telling around. And anybody that's offended in tell, I'm sorry you are. Don't be messing around. Don't be dragging your feet is what haste means. But for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And this is where we're going to go. Everybody in here has faith. Big old faith. Derek's going to put it for you on the screen. Everybody's got faith. How do you know, preacher? You can't be saved if you don't have faith. Faith. Thank you. He could have hit it, but the way stuff's been happening, he could have jumped over and selected that other slide. But the Bible says everybody in here has been given a measure of faith. But Peter is trying to teach us all to get right here where we've been at this morning, folks. To get here, he says, this is what you've got to do. You've got to add to your faith virtue. Virtue. Moral goodness is what this word means. Any particular moral excellence. Moral goodness. That's virtue. Proverbs 31 talks about a virtuous woman. That's talking about a good, godly woman is what that's talking about. But here he's telling us, okay, you've got faith, but you've got to add something to it. And I love the fact here of how God does math. He's saying, if you will just do adding, he said, I'll handle the big numbers. I'll do the multiplying. God really isn't fair, is he? He always takes the hard stuff and gives us the easy stuff. He, it's like he handles the big numbers and we just are asked to handle the little numbers. So add to your faith virtue. And after you add to your virtue, he says you've got to add knowledge of all things. We've been talking about knowledge the whole morning. What is knowledge? Knowledge signifies in general intelligence, but it also means understanding. When you look into the Word of God, and you're adding knowledge, that means you just don't know of God or know about God, but you're adding knowledge. No, I really know God. I spend time with Him. We talk together every day. I'm rehashing some old sermon here. I walk with Him. I talk with Him. He tells me I'm His own in the garden. He tells me that everywhere I go. No, I know God. He said you got to add knowledge to your virtue. He said, but not only knowledge, but you've got to add self-control to your knowledge. And that's the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. That's what self-control is. I know everybody always likes to take self-control and put it in, into a compartment of uh, 
sensual or sexual or, or something of that nature. And it, doesn't, it, it very much so includes self-control in that area. But it means every area of your life, if you heard the, the James chapter 1 study, we talked about being swift to hear and slow to speak. That's one of the areas where you have to have self-control. And Peter was trying to teach those people and tell them, listen, it's kind of foolish for you to add virtue and knowledge, but you can't control yourself. You can't control the money you spend. You can't control your attitude. You can't control your facial expressions. You can't control your house. You can't control uh, road rate. You can't control nothing. He said you've got to add self-control to your faith, to your virtue, to your knowledge. You've got to add that. But then he goes on to say you've got to also add perseverance. And perseverance is this. It's steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. But in the New Testament, you've got to understand this right here. It's the characteristic of a man. And you're living in New Testament days here, all right? We're not under law, we're under grace. And this is what this is meaning for you and me right now. In the New Testament, perseverance means that it's the characteristic of a man who is not swerved or swayed from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. So that means I've got to add this because, you know, last Sunday was all about being knocked down, struck down, cast down, but we're working forsaken. We were not destroyed, he said. And so that's why you've got to add this because when it does knock you down, when it does try to belittle you or humiliate you, you won't be destroyed because you've added it to all things self-control, which is attached to your knowledge of who God is in your life, which is also by the virtue of which you've said you're going to live, which is all possible by the faith in Jesus Christ living in you that says you can do all things through Christ, which gives you the strength. He said, so yeah, you got to add perseverance. Even in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, even in the midst of all that we are seeing, that are th everything which is a precursor to the Antichrist, the New World Order, and the rapture that I believe is going to occur real soon. But I want you to hear this. He said, you also have to add to perseverance Godliness, we already read that in verse 5 or 6, I believe. Godliness is just simply respect or reverence for God. And by the way, don't casually look at that. That is overlooked. That's the thing that's lacking in most people and most churches is an irreverent heart and attitude toward who God is. Everybody today treats God and talks about Him like He's a BFF. He's not gone to in a humble state when we pray. He owes us everything. We try to say, God, but you said this. God, what about, or God, you didn't answer this prayer, so I'm not going to church. That's the attitude. That's the mentality we treat God with a lot of times. That's not reverent. He's a holy, reverent God. When you bow down before him, you get on your face, you get on your hands and knees, and you say, God, you, you are like, the unjust man that stood there close to
to the publican and the sinner when all that was going down and he just beat his chest. He wouldn't even look up. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord said, that man right there knows how to talk to me. That man right there that claims nothing is the one that knows how to approach me, that knows how to respect me. That's what godliness is. And folks, you've got to add this. I have to add this. This church has to add this to our perseverance. And he said after you do that, you've got to add brotherly kindness. I know you're reading it, and I want you to. Again, this is the Greek definition. This is not me just taking some words. In the New Testament, brotherly kindness was defined by the love which Christians. It's what you read about in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5. In the New Testament, you see this played out so many times, especially after Pentecost. Christians, they cherished. The definition uses cherish. They cherished for each other as brothers and sisters. So, brotherly kindness is something that occurs in the church among each other first. Now, we're about to go somewhere, so you need to go with us. Because you're going to confuse this with the last one. By the way, this is so important. You're going to get every one of these things that, that we all need to add. You're going to get one a day, every day this week. You're going to get the first one about dinner as soon as you get out of church. And then somewhere around 8 o'clock in the morning, every morning, if you have the Multitudes Church app, which if you don't, you need to get that. It's going to be the only thing working for long. Hint, hint, hint. Or if you have signed up and you received text from the church, but right now, you can still download the app. Unless that's gone, too, you can still get it. But anyway, if, you're, if you, if you want to get in on it, go ahead and, and allow. When it asks you for notifications, you better say, yeah, or you won't get it. But it's that important. So this is not something going away. But I want you to understand this. Brotherly kindness is something that this church right here is lacking. Now, at Christmas, we did a great thing, and I talked about that. When everybody put their efforts and their heart together, and through the escape room and through the soup, uh, breakfast, I forgot what meal it was. You see, that's what fasting will do to you. You don't remember what you ate. Soup, thank you. And then... The next weekend or two after that, after the Sunday service or that Christmas Day service, wonderful group went and sang. All that was good. But brotherly kindness is something that occurs in spite of trials and suffering, perseverance. See, you have to persevere. That's why you have to add that because you're not going to like everybody. You're not going to get along with everybody. You're not going to see eye to eye. You're not going to like. You probably don't like me this day, but you're not going to appreciate 
Why did we do that? Why couldn't the church do that? Why does the church spend money? So you, you can get, you're going to chase, chase all kind of rabbits. And what it'll do, it'll stop you because you hadn't added perseverance to what we're talking about. You know about it. You heard me preach, but you hadn't added it to your faith yet. And when you don't add perseverance to your faith on down, when it's time to add some good old brother little, I'm out on that. I'm out on that. Because I don't like her, I don't like him, I don't like, I don't like the way Opie does that. I just wish he wouldn't say tell when he preaches. I'm going to a church where the pastor says bottom. And you're offended and you leave and you, you, you don't love. And it's not even about me. I'm talking about each other. And I really believe that Peter was instructed by the Spirit of God to put brotherly love first because there is no way the next and last one is love, which is, just, which is brotherly love for, for the church, but affection, and it's love for everybody. See, I don't think you can love, we can't have a, a mission outside this church. That's defined by love. Pray, love, lead, launch. We cannot have that until we have true, brotherly, godly love that we cherish. Is the word, the Greek word that was used, until we cherish that, meaning we love that man. We, we just desire that. And, and that's what we protect, and we want more than anything. I don't think for one minute you can have a... A motto, you can have a slogan or a cause or a mission outside of a church that you say is done by love and for love until you have conquered brotherly and sisterly love inside the church. I'm going to back it up with the scripture. John 4, and I think verse 12, and I, I don't think I gave it to you, Derek. But Jesus said something here. And he does not hold back. He says, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Because he uses a stern word that he doesn't have a problem using many times during his three years of ministry. He calls people out as liars. He says, how can you say that you love or you love me? God said, you love me. That you have not seen when you do not love your brother or your sister that you have seen. And then that's when he said, you liar, you liar, you liar. Don't sound good coming from the pulpit, but see, I, I, I'm glad that I didn't say it first because I thought I wouldn't say it. Jesus calls you a liar. In all your religion and in your track record, he calls you a liar. But see, I think the, the last two, in my opinion, is the hardest to add. And I'm not by myself. I'm the shepherd of this flock. I pastor everybody. I pastor my wife, my, my child, extended family. I, I, I pastor everybody here. I pastor the people online that can't come. I pastor everybody. And the Bible says you better know the condition of your flock. And I'm telling you in closing today, that those, that one, not the other one, because the other one 
brotherly love automatically, as you've already seen the, thank you, Holy Ghost, you've already seen the Greek definition. Brotherly love automatically generates love that allows you to love everybody else outside of the church. See, and until this church and our church is not alone, until this church adds brotherly love to its faith, it's a dead faith, friend. It's a dead, empty, shallow, no good faith. Because the Lord says, if you failed me in one part of the law, if you, fa- you, you failed in the whole thing. Because he's not a 90% God. See, he's the God that multiplies grace and peace in your life. He's the God that gives you all things that pertains to life and godliness when you want to know him so much that you're willing to be like him, that you're willing to swallow your pride, throw down your toy and say, I don't have any toys anymore. I love everybody like I love myself. I love everybody like I love Jesus. There is no difference in my love for Jesus than the worst person that I've ever known in my life or in the church. I'm glad the air's off this day, and I, I always hate it when the, the turbines aren't working, but I'm glad it's off now. Because I don't want it to be misunderstood what the Lord's saying. Because in closing, the Bible goes on to tell us this. It seems like you've been beat up in church today, don't it? It just seems like I was mad or I was angry. No, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. If you, if you get anything other than that, I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, you are way off. And you're wrong, and you're living in the flesh, and you need to repent. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm not worried. But I am very desperate right now because, see, more than what anybody, starting with my wife, might think. I don't know how much time I have left. I don't, I don't know how much time. I'm trying my best to do all the vision that God's given me with this church, with upstairs. We're putting shelf up. I'm trying to get it, and I don't want her to worry. I don't want my family to worry. I don't want you to worry, but I don't know how much time I have left, folks. So I can't play around, you see. can't tell you just something to make you, oh, he said something so good today. I can't do that. But I do have some wonderful news that Peter went on to tell us. After we've done all this adding, and the Lord's done this, the, the, the multiplication, he said in verse 9, he said, or let me go to verse 8 again. And I'm sorry, Derek. He said, for if these things are yours and you abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. If these things now, it took us a while, but we plowed and we went through those things. He said, you won't be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but... Verse 9, he who likes these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. But we turn the curve right here. Therefore, because we all going to get victory over this. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. There's the word for the second time to make your call, that's what I'm doing, you see. But, but you be diligent with haste. Don't drag around to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, listen to what he says, you will never stumble. 
I ain't heard nothing but good news myself today. For if you do these things, you won't stumble. But verse 11 says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I want to tell you folks, I want to do all this. I want to do all this adding. I want to do all this brotherly love. I want to do all this external stuff. I want to do all this vision fulfillment. I want to do it because everybody might say, well, as long as I just get to heaven, I'm okay with that. But that might be all right if this passage had not been inserted in the Bible. If you mean not only can I go to heaven, praise God, but I can go and I can have an abundant type of entrance. Well, I'm all game for that because I've been, I've lived many days when people hated to see me coming, hadn't you? And I don't know, church. I don't know. My appointment could come right now. My appointed time, as I've already told you, I'm trying to get my house in order. Here, the school, and my personal house, I really am with all my might. I'm trying to, and my appointment could come today. But the rapture could take place. And that great trumpet sound, and when the trumpet sounds, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise and those that are alive and remain shall be called up. And you know what? I'm not just going to be walking in any kind of way. When the trumpet sounds, the Bible says this, hallelujah, that if I've done all these things, all the, loving you in spite of everything, if I've done all these kind of things, the Bible says that God's got waiting on me. He's got an abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven and hallelujah praise be to the king to the lamb who loved me hallelujah I'm not just going to walk in any kind of way I'm going to be greeted I'm going to be applauded I want an abundant entrance and I don't know what kind of entrance you want or if you even care about going but I want to go home when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to stand up because church is worth adding today. It's worth adding virtue. It's worth doing what you got to do. It's worth the self-control. You've got an abundant entrance uh, that's out there waiting on you. You've got an abundant interest that you could possibly have. And applause waiting on you since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run this race. Let us have the perseverance. Let us endure. Let's love people. Let's have self-control. Let's do all these things. Let's live with virtue in our life. Let that define who we are. Let's keep on keeping on. Let's say, God, I'm going to stay in your word. I want to know you. I'm going to eat the Bible. I'm turning the TV off. Some of you are still mad about the news, but listen. If you will taste and see, Psalm 34 at the school, if you will just taste and see, you'll find out that the Lord is good. And the more you eat of the Lord on the fast, the more you eat of the Lord, the more you're going to want. And I got good news, the more you can have on the fast. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, if you will. Joe, I don't know if y'all could come, you and, you, you and the guys... But when we get through, 
We're going to sing that song again. But I want every person in here. I know that things are crazy again right now. But really being, first of all, honest and careful. Does anybody in here, let me ask you this. I'm not going to ask anybody if, if you think you need to. But is anybody interested in doing any adding to your faith? If you are, now you need to spread out. But I want you to, to make a physical statement to God, not to me. I, I beat everybody here. I'm first. But I want you to, all around this church somewhere, and it, yeah, six or more feet is what my rule is, or our rule is here. I want you to find you a place. I, I, I'm interested in adding. I got to add. I got to do some adding. I want you to find a place. Don't be, don't be pious today. Say, well, God knows my heart. He does, but he knows he blessed you with feet. He knows you got a set of feet attached to your heart. If you are interested in adding, because the Lord says, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. No good with me. And please, please, just honor the distance today is all I ask you. Please do that. We shouldn't have a problem. We've got plenty of room here. Unless you're around people that you're around all the time. If it spreads out into the aisle, that's fine. But I think it's important to God today because he's been so good to us to multiply grace and peace. I think, I think we've got to honor him today by saying, Father God, Lord, we come to you today. We make a covenant commitment that we are going to do that, Lord. We are going to have a hunger for your word. We want to know you, Lord. We realize that the knowledge of you is what we need. God, and I'm asking you to help us with all of these seven things, God. God, we're all guilty. The whole body of Christ is, Lord. We're guilty of not taking time to add virtue. We don't, a lot of us didn't even know what it was till today. But God, we need virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance, Lord, and godliness and brotherly love and love for everybody outside the church. God, I'm ready to go home. Come even so, Lord. And when we get to heaven, Lord, Oh, we're going to rejoice. You know what you need to tell God right now. You know what you need to pray about. Home, school, work, church, family, associate, acquaintance, neighbor, store clerk, anybody. Father, I love you not a believer first of all you've got to have faith in Jesus Christ here or online this is what I'm going to ask you to do if you, if, if you do not want to risk waiting 
even if you did, I'm going to say, don't do it. Don't, don't risk it. Would you just say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you died to save me. I need to be saved, Jesus. I know nothing about peace. I've never understood about your grace. I need all that stuff, Lord. But I need more than that. I, I, need a, I need a Savior that I can talk to right now and see in glory one day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I'm wrong. Your word has already judged me. I'm a sinner and I'm guilty of death. But you already died for me, Lord. So I accept that. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I will live the rest of my life for you. Bible says if you pray that, you mean that. And you live that way the rest of your life. That the Lord will save you. He will cleanse you. I'll tell you one thing. I'm ready for the red carpet, carpet treatment, aren't you?